Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Weren't you? Last week, uh, John is on sabbatical. John and Lisa, they're off on a time of rest and just uh, receiving from the Lord in a new way. And so uh, please don't bother them. Give them space to to rest and be with the Lord. Um, If you need to bother someone, then just get the number of the person sitting next to you and then you can bother them if you need anything in the week. I'm kidding. We've got the connect group leaders and all the other structures in place. So everything's going to go fine. what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, though, is we're doing a study on the book of Philippians. So uh, if you've got your Bible, if you can open up to first, well, Philippians chapter 1. There's not a first and second. Uh, we're going to carry on there. We're going to cover from verse 12 to verse 26 this morning. Now, the context here as you're opening up your, your Bible is that Paul's writing this letter. Um, Paul, on his second missionary journey, uh, as he goes, ends up in this place called Philippi. And he's part of planting a church in this, this, this town of uh, Roman uh, soldiers, uh, ex, ex-Roman soldiers. And so he plants, part of planting the church. This is now a number of years later after the church has been planted, it's been growing. And Paul's now stuck in prison in Rome and he's writing a letter, um, a letter to the church in Philippi. And that's what we're, we're studying and working through. And the Lord has just got so much good stuff for us in you. So hopefully you got your Bible. We're going to read all the way from verse 12 down to verse 26, and then we'll uh, unpack verses as we, as we go. So let's read together, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you, you again, sorry, so so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ, Jesus will abound on account of me. 
Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's jump in. We're going to read verse 12 to 14 again, and we'll pull some truths out of there. I know we read that a while ago because that was a long passage of Scripture we read. It's good to read long passages of Scripture in church. Yes. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So many things happening here. Paul's in prison. And the context is that Paul really wanted to get to Rome to preach the gospel. He wanted to get there and he wanted to be out on the streets, in the, in the community, in the marketplace. He wanted to get the gospel word out into Rome. And now how does he end up in Rome? In prison. <laughs> you see, Paul had this vision of what it looked like. He had this vision of, of what it was going to look like for him to take the gospel into Rome. But the reality is he ends up in prison. So the scripture says, actually, as Paul, Paul says, actually, it's the word he uses. What does that mean? Is Paul had an expectation it was going to go like this, but actually it didn't go like that. It went like this. <laughs> you see, sometimes we have some actuallys in our life because the prophet comes and he gives you a prophetic word. You know, in, in Connect Group on Wednesday, because we're a prophetic people, Amen. You get, you get prophetic words, and as, as you're receiving the prophetic word in your mind, you're seeing this like IMAX video of what it's going to look like, the glorious thing that's going to take place as the Lord speaks to you. And then actually, <laughs> the dream, and then actually, the reality, in chains, in prison. Come on, this happens. This happens. You know, you have a dream for your life. And, and, and you see it and you think and you, you, you really sense it's going to look like this. But then actually, it sometimes looks like this. You see, God works in actuallys. <laughs> I, think, I think often when we, we receive the prophetic word, we have the dream, we have the vision, we have the, the stirring of the Lord and we see the IMAX movie of what your life might be. <laughs> you see, I think sometimes unknowingly, unconscious, well, subconsciously, accidentally, we, we end up putting ourselves as the star in the movie about Daryl's greatness. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> Daryl's in chains in prison <laughs> because it's not the movie about Daryl's greatness. It's the movie about Jesus' greatness. And sometimes we get this just subtly mixed up and there's actuallys that take place. And when this actually happens and it's not the great movie, but it's the, the in prison in chains, well, we've got some choices to make in this moment. But God, you said I would be the star in the IMAX movie. And now I'm in prison. God, you, you messed up. What happened? Actually, no. Actually, maybe God's just setting you up just like he did for Paul. That he might preach the gospel in chains. That the whole prison guard might get to hear the gospel. Now you see, the prison guard 
is the imperial God. It's the, it's the gods of Caesar, the emperor. These are the top gods in the land. And now Paul's preaching the gospel to them. Paul's reaching people who he never would have reached in the great movie that was on IMAX. You see, actually, God is working all things together for good. And sometimes that doesn't look like your comfort. It doesn't look like your desire. It doesn't look like the way you thought it was going to look. And when you find yourself in that actually moment, when the headwind is blowing, the opposition is coming, it feels like darkness is on the front against you, and you thought it was going to be plain sailing, well, what do you do? What do you do in that moment? Well, we have a lot of choices we get to make. I think the natural choice is to retreat back. You know, just, just think if you were Paul. Maybe I should just ease off on the gospel message, you know. It's, it's got me in prison already, and how's this helping the gospel? And, you know, I should be out there in the marketplace. That was, you know, I saw it. And now... I just need to back off, I think. I just need to ease off a little bit and just take it a little bit easy on this gospel thing, you know. Maybe just spend some, spend some more time with, with friends and just be a bit more social. And, you know, Wednesday nights, I know John said before he we went on sabbatical that Wednesday nights are important and community and connection, but just this business stuff, I just need to actually just take a bit of, I need to take some time out. I need to just rest a little bit more. And so I'm just, I'm just going to, Forget that for a few weeks. And, and you know, actually serving, serving's not that important right now. I'm just going to back off serving a little bit because this is this opposition coming my way. And, you know, I saw what it was supposed to look like and now. And so the, the best thing is just, I'm just going to retreat a little bit further back. And then next thing you find yourself out the building. <laughs> Come on, we are the building. We are the church. Now, what, what does Paul do in this moment? This actually, this, his, his new reality, what does he do? He preaches the gospel even more boldly. And there's a confidence in him that's not only in him, but, but that's released to all of the brethren as well. That they too, because of Paul, because of his confidence, because of his boldness, even when he's in chains, that they too find a newfound confidence, a boldness, a courage in sharing the gospel. See, I'm not a pilot, but I believe that when pilots get trained, obviously you want to avoid a storm. Anyone want to avoid storms in life? Yeah, come on, we want to avoid the storms. But sometimes the radar missed the weather system. Whatever happened, there was a malfunction. You find yourself flying in a storm. And now, for those of us that are not pilots, the natural thinking is probably, well, I'm just going to, let me turn around and go back out of the storm and then I'll fly around it. That's not what they, treat, what they train pilots to do. What do they train pilots to do? Is hold your course. Remain steadfast and keep flying straight. See, when the opposition comes, when the actually is not what you thought it was going to be, what are you going to do? The Lord wants to encourage you that you will find a boldness and a courage in Him and keep moving forward. Now listen, I'm not talking about a storm that you're in because you made a stupid decision. <laughs> if you make a stupid decision, then you need to repent and turn away from that stupid decision and turn to Jesus. I'm talking about when you're following the Lord, and as you're following him, this opposition comes against you. You find yourself in a storm. 
It's in that context of following Jesus. As you're walking out your life in obedience to him, that when the storm comes, you don't change course. You keep going straight. Another, another pilot analogy. All right, let's, let, let's pause over there. Let me, let, me, let me cover this first quickly. There's this confidence that comes to, to the believers. They're not ashamed of the gospel. Oh man, Jesus, I need that confidence and boldness that, that I will not be ashamed of the gospel. Because, I don't know if you've noticed, but the, the world often doesn't think very kindly of, about, about Jesus, about Christians. And so it's easy to retreat back when the pressure comes. And, and kind of knowingly, subtly, we, we start to become ashamed of the gospel. I just want to show us what the scripture says because this is, this is challenging for me, for us. But the Lord wants to deposit something in us that we will become more than overcomers. Let's have a look at Mark chapter 8, verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Oh Lord, I don't want you to be ashamed of me. And so may I not be ashamed of the gospel. But to do that, God, I need, I need a boldness and a courage. I need your strength. We're going to look at that in a, a little bit later this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 8. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Man, you might say, but my personality is to be timid. God made me shy and reserved. I don't like talking to strangers. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> God made me shy that I don't like public speaking. It's the truth. But the truth that is above that reality is that God gave me a spirit that's not timid, but he gave me a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind, self-discipline. Come on. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You see, we do these things not by our own strength, by our own might, but we do it by the empowering Holy Spirit. He gives us a courage and a boldness. God wants to give you a courage. He wants to give you a boldness that you will preach the gospel more confidently than you ever have before, that you will not be ashamed, but that you will be courageous in sharing the good news. God wants to give you a boldness and a courage. And you know when that boldness deposits and lands itself in you? It's not when you're sitting here on a Sunday morning. I mean, I would love it to be right now. And there is something happening right now, but it's probably happening more in your mind right now. When that real deposit of courage and boldness comes is when you find yourself on Monday morning around the coffee counter and you feel that little stirring inside that, Perhaps that thing that Daryl was talking about on Sunday is this very moment. Perhaps that courage and boldness thing is, is right now. And as you take that little step of faith and you start sharing the good news, it's in that moment that the courage and boldness of the Lord comes into you and comes upon you. And the anointing and the presence of God comes in you and on you and through you. Whether you feel it or not, I want to tell you that it's there because he's given you not a spirit of fear but of power and love and of self-control.
But it's in that moment that the courage, that the boldness comes upon you. It's as you take the step of faith. You see, if we wait for it to come upon us before we take the step of faith, well, then we don't need faith. You see, it's as we take the step of faith, that's what unlocks it and releases the boldness and courage in your life. See, we get to make progress in the midst of challenge. That's what's happening in in these verses over here. The dream, the actually, yet the actually is causing an advance. It's causing a boldness, a courage, an advance. They're progressing for the sake of Jesus. The gospel is advancing. The kingdom is advancing. We see this in the church. When the church has opposition, it thrives. They say that the fastest growing church in the world at the moment, like right now, is in Iran and Afghanistan. In the context of opposition, the church thriving. We've got some opposition here in South Africa as well, and it might look different, and it's, it's not war, and we, we trust God that it won't be war, but the reality is there's some, there's some headwind blowing against us. And as the headwind blows against us, what are we going to do? Is it in these moments that we retreat back into nothingness, or is it in these moments that we realize that this is a divine setup? For the gospel to be boldly and courageously proclaimed that the kingdom of, God, kingdom of God might advance and that the church in South Africa will explode with growth. These are those days. These are those days. And, and we get to be co-laborers with Jesus and be those courageous ones that are at the forefront seeing the advance of the kingdom. That's the invitation. Coming back to the pilot analogy. This is, I believe, a true story. I heard it uh, shared by, by Bill Johnson a number of years ago. Uh, a pilot was flying, and, and while the pilot's up in the air flying, he notices that there's a rat in the aircraft, and it's busy chewing on the fuel line. Now, of course, if the rat penetrates that fuel line, uh, the fuel will stop getting to the engine. The engine will stall. And, well, then the aircraft will start to fall. That's not a good thing. I'm not a pilot, but I understand the science of flying enough to understand that that's not a good thing. (laughs) Now, again, the natural tendency for a non-pilot-minded person like myself would be, we need to land this plane in a hurry. How can we get it back on tarmac on ground? Because as soon as this fuel pipe is, is punctured, we've got a problem. But the pilot doesn't do that. What does the pilot do? The pilot accelerates and increases his altitude, knowing that soon he'll reach a point where there's no oxygen for that rat to breathe. And the rat will pass out. See, in times of trouble and difficulty, the natural thing is often the thinking that we need to just shrink back. But no, it's in those moments that we need to lean in even more and say, God, I know that the dream was this, but the actually is this, and this means you're working, you're moving. Revival is busy breaking out in the midst of my prison cell because you are with me. Revival is busy breaking out in my office and in my workplace because you are with me, and you're giving me a courage, you're giving me a boldness, and you are moving in this place. Amen?
And it's probably going to take place in the context of a bit of headwind. And that's okay. And that's okay. God has made you more than a conqueror, an overcomer. As we carry on here in Philippians, verse 15, 17, Paul's talking about these wrong and right motives to preach the gospel. Of course, we want the gospel preached with right motives. He comes to verse 18. Let's read Philippians, verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. See, in in every situation, whatever way, Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And while we're doing that, we rejoice. (laughs) There's a theme that Paul covers throughout this whole book of Philippians. Joy and rejoicing in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10, I think it is. We carry on in verse 19 and verse 20. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. See, last week we covered in verses 9 to 11 Paul's prayer for the Philippians. He now knows that the Philippians are praying for him. And he's saying, basically, because I know that you're praying for me, and because I know that there's help coming from the Holy Spirit, provision from Holy Spirit, supply from Holy Spirit, different translations use use those words, that there's, there's some expectations that Paul's got because he knows the Philippian church is praying for him, because his faith is in God, and so he's got this confident expectation that good things are going to happen. I think, I think we need more confident expectation about what God wants to do. Sometimes I think we're a little bit too, whichever way the wind's blowing. Oh, if God wants to show up, you know, he'll, he'll show up, he's sovereign. What if we arrived at church every Sunday morning with a confident expectation that God's going to be there, he wants to be there, and and. And stuff's going to happen in the kingdom because we have this confident expectation in the goodness of God. We have this confident expectation that that God's presence is going to be so strong and so thick that maybe as we gather together to worship, that we'll experience Him in new dimensions, that, that the glory cloud will actually physically appear and manifest in the building. But wouldn't it suck to be missing in that, on that Sunday? <laughs> Sunday you choose to sleep in and the glory cloud appears. (laughs) It happens. It happens in in churches that the the manifest presence of God comes. What if we arrived at, at, you know, corporate gatherings every time with this confident expectation that God is about to and is doing something? We so often live in the future you know, a prophetic word comes and, oh, you know, one day. What, what if we grabbed hold of those prophetic words with a confident expectation that that day is now? And perhaps we, we don't need to carry on waiting for God to do something, but we need to start to be the people that are the answer to that prophetic word. Let's show up with a confident expectation that God is moving. God is doing stuff. Paul has this confident expectation 
Because he knows the Philippian church is praying for him. Because he knows that Holy Spirit is sending him provision, supply, help, because the Holy Spirit is our helper. And so we see here in verses 19 and 20 that, that, that Paul is ready to receive peace, joy, anointing, boldness, courage, revelation. This is, this is the provision, the resource that Holy Spirit is sending to him. In a time of need, in a time of trouble, know that you can lean into Holy Spirit and he's going to be the one sending you supply. And that supply is going to be anointing, joy, peace, courage, boldness, faith. It's going to be revelation that you'll start to see things differently. You'll see things that you never saw before. He's going to give you answers to the, the, the problems that, that you face. He's going to bring solutions. And all of that, the prayers from the Philippians, the help from Holy Spirit is going to bring about deliverance, is what Paul says in verse 20. Sorry, verse 19, it's what he says. That word deliverance is also translated as salvation. We know Paul is saved. He's well saved. <laughs> but I'm sure you've heard that you, you are saved. Sorry, you were saved. You are being saved and you will be saved. See, it's this, it's this journey of growing closer and closer to Jesus. What Paul's saying is in the midst of this actually stuck in prison in chains, that because of the prayers for him, that's why we should pray for one another, and because of the help that Holy Spirit's bringing, it's bringing about his deliverance, his salvation, it means he's becoming more like Jesus in the context of this trial, this challenge that he's facing. And as he faces this trial, this challenge, he's rejoicing because God is good. So Paul's response in verse 20, Paul will not be ashamed. There's a boldness and courage coming upon you that you will not be ashamed. He will continue in courage. He will continue to preach the gospel. He will continue to exalt Jesus even as he faces potential execution. Whether he's in the body or not, he will exalt Jesus. These are the the expectations that Paul has. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. For me, to live is Christ. Uh, we, we could do a whole series on just that verse. <laughs> to live is Christ. Just think about that for a moment. Do you feel alive? Because if you don't feel alive, invite Jesus in more. Because to live is Christ. The more of Him there is in you, the more you are alive in Him. I mean, the world, the world looks for life. Every one of us is, is created. We're born to live life and to, to find abundance of life, to find that fullness of life. And different people do this in different ways. Some people search for that fullness by running after money wholeheartedly. And the love of money drives them, it inspires them, it moves them, it stirs them. And they try to find fulfillment, fullness of life 
and money. I can tell you, you won't find it. Other people try to find fullness of life by doing crazy adrenaline stuff. <laughs> I can tell you that you will not find fullness of life even with a temporary adrenaline rush. Other people might look for fullness in sinful behavior, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, food. I can tell you, you will not find and discover fullness and life in those things. But where will you find life? We find life in Him. Just have a look at what some of the scripture says. This is by no means an exhaustive study. This is just a, a glimpse at some, what's, what some of the scripture says about life. Let's go back to the Old Testament in Psalms chapter 16, verse 9 to 11. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you, have, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Jesus makes known to us the path of life. Jesus fills us with joy, with pleasures eternal at his right hand. Where are you seated? With Christ in heavenly places. This is not talking about a distant far off day. You've got access to this now. John chapter 6, verse 33. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And in verse 48, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. For me to live is Christ, because Christ is life. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants to give you fullness of life. And how do we access that? So we fully abandon our lives to Him because He's the one that brings the life. You know, if we only give Him a little bit of room in our lives, well, we only have a little bit of life in our lives. If we give Him all of our lives, well, then we get fullness of life. You see, when we try to cling on to the, the fleshly joys and things in life, we miss out on the real life in Christ. So if you're feeling like you don't have much life in you, I want to invite you to invite Jesus in more. Because as he comes in more, as you give him more space in your life. I mean, what's the goal? The goal is to give him everything. I know we sing it. <laughs> Lord, I give you everything. But, but the reality is that, come on, we're still on the journey to reach that point. That's the goal. It's where we're going. And every day we want to give him more. We want to surrender more. That we will, that we will one day start to look like Paul over here, who's, who's stuck in prison. Facing potential execution. 
Yet he's filled with joy and he's rejoicing and he's preaching the gospel and he's full of boldness and courage and God is just working powerfully in him and there's just not a hint of care or concern about his own life. The only care and concern in his life is that his king, his savior, Jesus, will be exalted. That he, his life will bring about glory for the name of Jesus. You see, as, as Paul has fully abandoned his own life, he's discovered fullness of life. He's discovered that to live is Christ. And he carries on to say that to die is gain. Why is, why is it gain to die? Is because when we're with Jesus in, in that sense, we're with him eternally now to live is Christ now on this side of eternity while we still have a fleshly body. But when we transition, we go through the doorway called death into eternity with him. To die is gain. Paul says in the next few verses, that it's much better to be on this side with Jesus. Oh, it's so much greater and glorious. There's life over here, it's incredible. But there's even more on the other side. What are we saying is that there's no need to fear death. Because death has been defeated, it's been destroyed. What does the scripture say? Let's go back to 2 Timothy Chapter 1, we've read verse 6 to 8, and now we're going to read verse 9 and 10. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Death has been destroyed. We just go through a simple transition from this side of eternity to that side of eternity. And so Paul's saying, you know, whether I'm on this side or whether I'm on this side, it doesn't matter as long as I'm glorifying Jesus. That's all that counts. There's no need to fear death. Death has been defeated. Verse 22. Philippians 1. We're going to read 22 to verse 26. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. We're going to look at four things here quickly. These are, these are goals, we could call them. These are, these are aims of life. And I think we should have the same aims that kind of Paul is referencing here in these last few verses his first first aim goal is that if he's still alive she says i'm confident of this i you know i'd love to go but i need to stay because if i stay what am i going to do i'm going to continue in fruitful labor i want to say to you today if you're still breathing 
Is there anyone in the room that's not breathing? That's good news. <laughs> if you're still breathing, it means God's still got fruitful labor for you to do. There's still work He has for you to do. To our seniors day group, every single one of you, God's still got fruitful labor for you. That's why you're still here. There still is work for you to do. Remember, we filmed a feature-length documentary a number of years ago, and I got to interview a whole bunch of um, amazing men and women of God. And one of the, the men I was interviewing was a guy named Dano McCullum, uh, currently in, in Texas, America. And, and one of the questions I was asking these um, generals in, in the, the Lord's army was, what qualifies us to be used by God? And I remember asking Dano this question, and he looks at me and He's got this kind of moments, almost confusion look on his face. And then he, he responds back, he says, an, an earth suit. I think he can see the confusion on my face. <laughs> so he explains because he's a kind man. He says, you just need to be alive. If you've still got your earth suit on, you are qualified to be used by God. And so if you're seven years old, if you've been born again for just a moment. If you're not even born again yet and you're, 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 you're saying, sitting here today, you're watching this and you're saying, I need that life because I've tried all the other things. I need life in Christ and I want it. You're qualified. Because Jesus qualifies you. If we're still on this side of eternity, what are we here for? Fruitful labor. That's what we're here for. Fruitful labor. God's got fruitful labor that he wants you to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. They are good works that God has created you to do. Who's going to do them if you don't? Fruitful labor. God's plan for you. You are qualified. Don't disqualify yourself when Jesus has qualified you. The second aim or goal that Paul's got here as he's closing this thought is to be a blessing to others. May that be our goal, our aim in life, that we will be a blessing to one another. That your life will be not just about the movie of Daryl's greatness. No. May, may the goal, the aim of your life be to be a blessing to those round about you. That's what Paul's saying over here. It's necessary for you that I stay, is what Paul's saying. Because I know that, that, that God has good works that he's planned for me to do for your sake. Let's, let, let our aim, let our goal be to be a blessing to one another. Now perhaps even in your workplace, you, you're feeling stuck and, and while I was preparing, I, I saw this picture of, of promotion, of blessing, of, of upgrade in the wings. And it's waiting. It's waiting for you to finish the assignment before you. So that once you finish the assignment before you, the good works for those that are with you. Because perhaps when you get a promotion, you're going to move to a different business floor and you're not going to have the same person in the office cubicle next to you. Perhaps there's good works 
that you might be a blessing to the person in the office cubicle next to you. And until you've done that assignment, that assignment is what unlocks the promotion and the next thing. See, God wants to, wants to bless you, but He wants to do that as you become a blessing to those around about you. He's blessed you that you might be a blessing. And there's further blessing coming, but He's waiting for you to, to steward the blessing that's in your hand first. And when you steward that, it unlocks them all. I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's promotion and upgrade coming. Steward what you've got, but it's coming. The third aim is to progress in our faith. Paul says that he needs to stay so that he might have fruitful labor, not for his sake, but for your sake, that we might be a blessing to one another and that we might progress in joy and in faith. God wants us to progress you know, our relationship with Him is never supposed to be stagnant, static, stationary. We are called and we're invited to progress, to move forward with Him every day of our lives. Let me just think for a moment. God, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God. I mean, our brains just cannot comprehend the magnificence of Him. And that's why we have an invitation that every day we might progress more and more to know Him more, to encounter Him more, to experience Him more, to give Him more, that we might progress every single day. That's the invitation that we have, that we should never remain stationary. May our goal be that we progress every day. And as we do that, May it be a progression in faith, our trust, our belief, our confidence in Him, boldness in Him, and in joy, that we will grow in joy, that we will have an overflowing joy. We should be the happiest people on the face of the planet. We really should be. And as we progress, as we, as we get more of this revelation of what He's done for us, who He is, how mighty He is, how much He loves us, that our joy might abound more and more. And as our joy abounds, we find that we have strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. May our aim be to progress in joy and in faith. And lastly, may our aim, may our goal, be to bring glory to Jesus Christ. It's what Paul closes this, this thought with. How did he close the thought last week? Verse 1 to verse 11 ended up with, remember love, knowledge, all for what's sake? The sake of Christ. As he now closes out this next thought in this letter, if we're still alive, fruitful labor, not for our sake, that we might be a blessing to one another, that we might progress, and all to what end? Glory of Christ. I like the way the ESV puts it, verse 26. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Won't you stand?
If you're here this morning, if you're watching this morning, and you don't know what it is to have life, I want to tell you that life is Christ. There's no other life outside of Him. You can try it. You can experiment if you want to. Or you can just take me at the word, this truth of the Scripture. And you can, you can give it a go and say, okay, Jesus, if you are life, then I want that. I want life. It's not just in your ordinary life, but it's fullness of life. So in a moment, I'm going to give you, if that's you, if you've never invited Jesus to come and, come and be life inside of you, if you've never realized that you need a Savior, I'm going to give you a moment shortly to say, I want that. I need that. I need that in my life. We're going to invite our ministry teams to come up to the front. Uh, you guys can do that now. And in a moment as we close the service, we'll be available to pray for you. If you have any prayer need, I, I felt uh, this morning the Lord's healing heart issues, anything to do with the heart, um, Lord, Lord's healing that. Uh, ongoing prolonged gut issues, I felt the Lord healing that this morning. Um, if you've got uh, struggles in your ligaments, I felt like there's like a, a stretched ligament or tendon um, causing joint um, a lack of joint strength, the Lord's going to strengthen and tighten and, and heal, heal that this morning. Um, if you're needing a job, uh, this morning is a good day for, for breakthrough. Um, if you need prayer for anything else, our team will be up front here and uh, would, would love to pray for you. And, and like I just shared, if, if you do not know life, if you haven't got Jesus, I want to tell you that today is a good day. That is not by chance that you found yourself here but perhaps it's by divine design that you found yourself here today that you might find life in Christ. If you've never given your life to him, if you've never been born again, I want to invite you to come up to the front and I uh, would love to pray with you, anyone in the front here, and lead you into abundant life in Jesus. And so as we close the service, uh, last week I, I, I closed with Paul's prayer to the church in Philippi. Today I want to close with Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church from Ephesians chapter 3. So let's pray as I, as I pray for us. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you.